Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest today is a good friend of mine by the name of Mark Fortin. Uh, he's a former... Uh, well, I'll let him. I'll let him explain that. <laughs> he has a very interesting story, uh, a great background, and, and like I said, we're friends. We met overseas. Uh, so, Mark Fortin, welcome to the show. All right, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Hey, so am I, and and I enjoy just talking with you. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I always enjoy our our catch up calls. You know, whether it's uh, once every couple of weeks or once every couple of months. You know, it's still nice to catch up. It is. It is because it, it, it's easy to get lost and wrapped up in, in our lives. And so yeah. I to, we all totally understand that. But uh, so, Mark, uh, so for the folks that are listening, uh, can you uh, uh, tell them briefly uh, your background and, and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I joined the Marine Corps uh, in 2001. This was pre 9-11. Um, and, you know, so technically there was there was like no war going on. Right. So I really just wanted to join the military and travel and shoot guns and, you know, live, <laughs> live the military life for a little while. You know, going to college right out of high school wasn't for me. So uh, military was was definitely my choice. So uh, when I, I joined the military, uh, I went into the Marine Corps halfway through boot camp. 9-11 hit. Uh, so that definitely changed the tempo of uh of boot camp for us <laughs> you know right um so i uh long story short with the military i did uh eight years in the marine corps i did uh three tours to iraq with the marine corps uh stationed out in california camp pendleton and uh you know and enjoyed about 99 percent of my time in the military uh wow. so when i was done with the marine corps or so i thought i uh, i got out and and moved back to upstate New York where uh, all my family is and where I'm born and raised. And I uh, spent about a year out of the military and opened up a landscape company because I love being outside, you know, kind of like in the military, you get to spend a lot of time outside. So then um, about, I don't know, about 12 or 13 months after being out of the Marine Corps, I realized, you know, I miss it. I, I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to be a civilian yet. I want to go back in. So I uh, marched on down to the recruiter station like I did when I was 17 <laughs> and uh, tried to get back in the Marine Corps. However, at the time, they were not accepting prior service. Huh. Um, and uh, so the, the two hits that I had was they weren't accepting prior service because that's when they were, you know, uh, kind of. Uh, downgrading the numbers in the military, right? And we, we ramped up in 2001 through 2003, right? Because the invasion of Iraq. Um, and then uh, the tattoos. So I have sleeves, right? From my from my shoulders down to my wrist. And uh, <laughs> that was a no-go at the time. So Really? I, uh, yep, yep. So something else I considered before I joined the Marine Corps was, I, you know, I love the water, so I was I was thinking about being a rescue swimmer, um, and uh, that was something that had crossed my mind after the Marine Corps said no. I was like, well, you know, maybe maybe I can go into the Coast Guard and be a rescue swimmer. And hmm. uh, I contacted the Coast Guard, and they said, sure, we'll take you. However, they were gonna take me down th uh, two ranks from where I was, hmm. and I said, well, uh, my days of cleaning toilets with a toothbrush are over. Uh, so <laughs> I had to pass on that. I respectfully declined. Uh, so then I, uh, I walked back down to the, uh, 
the other end of the hall and spoke with the army recruiters and uh, I, I joined the army national guard and I did uh, a couple years with them deployed to Afghanistan with them and uh, that's that's kind of where it, it led me to uh, seeing what the contractor life was uh, in Afghanistan is where I where I got to work kind of side by side with some security contractors and and got to know some of them from uh, you know one of the one of the big reputable companies out there and uh, that's what really sparked my interest to uh, to look at becoming a contractor. Wow. Okay. So you spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan while in the military, mm-hmm. and that's and when you're in Afghanistan, that's when you found out about it. Uh, can you tell folks where you were, not specifically, but what province and what part of Afghanistan you were when you found out about this? Yeah. So I was in um, uh, southern. Afghanistan. We were near near the uh, Iran border. Um, there was a little fob out there that we were at. I'm not going to go into detail, but that's the general area. Right. And uh, there was a uh, Department of State contract out there, and uh, those contractors were, were running PSD missions, and we would see them when we were out running our missions. And uh, you know, after I got friendly with them and started talking to them about life as a contractor and the money they were making and how they were all basically doing what I was doing the year before, you know, like, they're like well, this is how I got started. You know, I was in the military and ran into some contractors and here I am. Huh. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what kind of kicked it off. And I was like, well, you know that I, I do love the military. Uh, I always love the military, but at that point I was like, you know what? All right. I had my second fill of, of, of the service. And now I think I'm ready to, to, uh, try out the contracting life. Right. And that's excellent. So, uh, so how did you, so when you studied your contracting, uh, how did that, I mean, let, go ahead and walk us through that. Yeah. So the, the contractors that were actually stationed out there with us in, in Afghanistan were, were great and they were all about helping people out if they wanted to try to get into the circuit, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, one of the team leaders for their, their, uh, PSD team, told me that he would put together kind of like a, a briefing, you know, or a PowerPoint for anybody that was interested in learning more. So he, he took like a day, did two days, put together a great little briefing and, and me and a few guys from my team went over there and we sat down and there to what to us was beautiful establishment compared to where we were living. <laughs> uh, you know, great AC, great food, had a fridge packed with drinks. And we we're like, wow, this is great. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable than, than my hooch. Um, so we sat there for about two hours and, you know, he briefed us on, on how to get into it. He briefed us on all the different websites we could look at for jobs. He told us about some of the requirements we might need. And uh, he gave us his contact information and a couple other people's contact information. And uh, I went back to my back to my hooch that night. And at that point in time, I only had about another 45 days or so uh, on my deployment. So I, I started putting together my resume. I started filling out applications, and I submitted uh, three applications to three of the big players at the time. And uh, actually, the the company that he worked for, the the contractor I was talking to, uh, his company is the, was the actual first one to offer me a job. Wow. And, uh, you know, when I got back from deployment 45 days later, I was home for about 30 days, and then I I went to their uh, kind of like three-week training and then i was back in afghanistan so within a couple months i had come home got a new job trained up and went back wow 
<laughs> you know that that's amazing because uh, y- as you well know, uh, contracting f- to the people that are outside this industry, uh, it, it, it's got a mysterious or bad rap. Uh, But what you're talking about harkens to the professionalism of the guys that are truly professionals and the companies that are. I mean, there's some really good companies. That's amazing is where I'm going. It's like that they would do that um, because I had help and support, but it wasn't like that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Scott, I mean, I I got really lucky and I I don't know if I ever would have really gotten into it. Uh, I certainly would have gotten into it as fast as I did if it wasn't for this gentleman's help. Uh, I'm sure I would have looked into it, uh, you know, if I hadn't had that that assistance. But uh, I I really give a lot of credit to that gentleman for you know taking the time to really explain it to us. And and you know how it is, man. Anywhere you go, there's always that 10 percent of people that, you know, they're just <laughs> they're They can be challenging. Right. So <laughs> in, in the contracting world, you know, you have that 10 percent of people that think they're better than everybody else, right? There's some high speed operator and, uh, you know, they, they think that they're, they're, you know, what doesn't stink. Right. Right. And it was nice to see a gentleman completely the opposite, just a down to earth, good guy. And, and there are a lot of those guys out there. Right. But, um, you know, unfortunately it's nobody remembers the good. They remember the bad. Right. So those, those bad right. apples are the ones that stick out and the ones that people talk about. And that's what gives everybody else a bad name. But this guy, I definitely did not fall into uh, that realm. Well, you obviously made an impression upon the guy, too. I mean, for him to go out of his way like that, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it really made an impression. It's just, you know, he he saw somebody that was interested, you know, and, and we had had a couple, I don't, I don't want to say combined missions because, you know, they weren't really combined missions, but we happened to end up at the same place at the same time uh, while we were both working over there. I don't mean on the fob, but, you know, out running a mission, you know, we ran into each other a couple times and um, you know, you, you communicate and you see that, you know, you, it doesn't really take all that long usually to find out that, uh, you're either talking to somebody that's telling you the truth or BSing you, right? I right. mean, we, in this industry, you you kind of get that that sense about you where you can kind of pick out those that are are not being truthful pr- pretty quick, right? Because that's, right. that's part of our job. Um, so you know, I guess he he felt that I was being honest about my interest and about my experience and whatnot, and you know, he he uh, took me under his wing. Right. Well, you passed what we call the sniff test. You know, and, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, a you know, my my share of episodes like that where, you know, you just you're a down to earth kind of guy. You, you, you know, you do your job and you take it seriously. And, you know, you're you know, you're you're, you're not thinking that you're all that. And they they, they sense that and they see right. it. And I think yeah. that's what the, cause I remember when I met you, uh, you were <laughs> you were a breath of fresh air with the guys I was working with. I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay. I, I remember the contract and we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, continue, go ahead and go ahead and, uh, continue telling folks, um, uh, pick up where we left off there. Sure. Yeah. So my first con, my first contract was, uh, in, uh, Hellman province and like most guys, you know, I, I wasn't in spec ops or, you know, anything like that. So, trying to get those those great high-speed jobs right off the bat, not being some sort of high-speed operator is, is few and far between, right? So I did what most guys did, and I, I took a first contract as static security. And to me, 
I, I was just excited to get the job. I didn't really care what mm. I was doing. I was just happy to get my foot in the door, you know. Right. Um, so I had a, a static security post. It was six months on, six months off, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. It was terrible. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was I was beat. And all the guys that and, and gals that I was with uh, were were tired, too. I mean, you know, that that takes a toll on you. And it sure does. Six months straight. Anybody who deployed, you know, after six months, you're you're feeling pretty toasted. So, <laughs> um, so I'm sorry. I said six months on, six months off. I, it's six months on, one month off, and then back for six months. I, I misspoke there. Uh, right. So after about it was a year contract, right, that I signed. So after about eleven months, I decided, okay, I am not planning on coming back here for another rotation. I want to see what else is out there. Now that I have my foot in the door, I've got my first contract complete. So I started uh, looking around. You know, I got on some of the websites out there, and there's plenty of them where you can look for work. And I, uh, I lucked out, and I was actually uh, – so the first company I worked for was an American company. Uh, hmm. The second company that I got hired on for uh, was actually a British company. And uh, I believe you know the company I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Who eventually sold the company to the U.S. Um, so that second contract was a static contract as well. Um, the money was better. The rotation was better. That was a uh, three months on, I believe, and and one month off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a lot better. I mean, that for me, that's ideal. Three months is is the perfect amount of time. Right. Uh, it's just enough time to really start missing home. And it's just enough time to be ready to get out of there and go home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was that was static uh, static security as well. Uh, I was on that contract. I really got on that one because I, I was one of only two Americans on that contract. This was actually before you and I started working together. Um, I was one of only two Americans on that contract, and the contract was a DoD contract, and they needed uh, Americans with a secret clearance. Uh, that could go into certain parts of this this uh, base slash facility that we were we were protecting, uh, and not not everyone on the on the contract could do that, right? So I still had my security clearance, and uh, luckily that's really one of the main reasons they brought me on, besides you know having some experience. Hmm. So uh, that was in Kabul, and uh, it was a great contract, great great guys. That was my first experience. Uh, working directly with the Brits, and uh, that was fun because they have they have some funny ways of explaining things and some funny <laughs> funny terms, and I, I I got some really great friends, and I learned about uh, toast and eggs and stewed potatoes for breakfast, and yep. and that was uh, stewed potatoes for breakfast kind of threw me off in in the chow hall, but uh, <laughs> baked beans for breakfast, yeah. At first, wow. I, I, I kind of turned away from it, but then I tell you what, man, a couple months in, you throw a little uh, little red hot on there, and it tastes pretty good. Right. <laughs> Spice <laughs> it up with some salt and pepper or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that you? Is that the same time that you met um, what became the former owner of the company? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're we're talking about the same gentleman. So that's that's when I first met him. I actually didn't meet him until about uh, three months into the contract. He had actually come out from uh, uh, I don't know if he was living in the UK at that time, or he also I believe he has a place in the states. Um, he but yeah, he, he, yeah. He had come out and I met him, and 
and the other American was actually uh, his brother-in-law or cousin-in-law or something like that. And him and I became really good friends. So uh, I got I got to spend a lot of time with the the actual owner of the company when he came out, uh, which was great because you know it lit down the road he had called on me to to help him out with a couple other things, and I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Sure. Uh, so yeah, he he was a great guy. Uh, still is. I talk to him once in a while. Hmm. So that that static contract was was great, uh, but again, I started to get a little bored, right? Because you're sitting in a tower behind a 240, just uh, you know, <laughs> kind of bored out your bored out of your mind a little bit, right? Uh, Unless something happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so he ended up taking on a new contract in Kabul where it was all uh, low low profile PSD. So the, the company that I was working for at the time didn't use armored vehicles. Uh, it was all, you know, the typical like white Toyota Corolla and <laughs> anything, anything that fit in around town. And uh, we I got so I tried out for the team and I got accepted to their their low profile PSD team. And we drove around in vehicles that we bought in Kabul. You know, we had hmm. uh, we had our interpreter go out and purchase vehicles for us, and uh, we didn't want to stick out, and our client didn't want to stick out. And if you're driving around in a big sub, you know, you're gonna right. stick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that has it, it ha- that had its pros and its cons. You know, uh, doing work like that. Uh, the pros right. were that most people had no idea who we were. Right. We were we were dressed like we belonged there. You know, we'll just put it like that. And right. Um, but you know, as well as I do that, there are plenty of, I'm doing air quotes right now, random, uh, police stops in Afghanistan, right? Mm. Completely random. (laughs) Uh, so we would get, uh, we would get stopped, you know, at one of these checkpoints and, you know, our interpreter would have to, to talk, talk us out of it. You know, if you're in a sub, you're not opening your doors. You're just, you're going, or you were back then. I don't know what it's like now. Um, you may stop now and, and, and talk to the, to the A and P, uh, or, or just keep going. But back then, uh, with doing the situation we were in and, you know, not having armored vehicles, you know, we, we had to, we had to stop and, uh, our interpreters would usually talk us out, talk, talk to the A and P and get us out of whatever sticky situation the A and P were trying to put us in at the time. And usually it revolved around, uh, dollar signs, you know, mm-hmm. um, so our, our interpreter always kept a, a healthy amount of, of Afghan dollars on him to, uh, mm. to, or American dollars, depending, and uh, to, to pay his way through, pay our way through uh, any checkpoints we came across. Wow. That's, you know, um, that, that brings up a couple of things. But can first, can you explain to people who maybe don't know, um, in Iraq, we referred to it as the INP and in Afghanistan, it was the ANP. Can you tell them what that is? Yeah, it's the Afghan uh, National Police Force, I believe it stands for, yeah. right? It's it's their it's their police department, and then you have their their ANA, the Afghan National Army, um, and then there is something else that we'll get into in a, in a little bit called the APPF. It's the Afghan Public Protection Force, right? Uh, which was actually designed to uh, kind of take some of the weight off of the police department. Um, yeah. And I, I did a contract involving that as well. We can talk about. <laughs> Right. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, those cumbersome things that uh, what we some of the dirty things 
that people call dirty things that they don't really they want to sweep under the rug like you're talking about when you get to the checkpoints or whatever and, and if you can't talk your way out of it you got to bribe your way out of it exactly exactly and you know we've we've all heard those horror stories of contractors ending up in an afghan prison or something like that and man that is not one place that i want to end up that's for sure no so, it, you, <laughs> you do what you got to do to stay out of that situation right and you're always appreciative of those interpreters who um you know, they're on your side and they're doing and saying what they got to do and say to, to get you to the next place. And I, I tell you, like, not just as a contractor, but in the military as well. I mean, these these interpreters, I mean, you know, just like anywhere you have your bad apples, like we already talked about. But uh, my my experience, every interpreter that I ever dealt with, uh, regardless of the branch of service or whether it was a contract or not, they were all fantastic. And the majority of these guys are putting their lives on the line to be out there making this money. Right. And some some of them are doing it strictly for the money because if you think about it, you know, if they're getting 50 bucks a day, well, their usual salary might be 50 bucks a month. So if if the U.S. is offering $50 a day or I'm sure it's a heck of a lot more, but, um, you know, they're making a ton of money uh, in their world. So, um, and then there's some of them that honestly, I I feel do believe in the, in the cause, right? They believe in what what everybody is fighting for. And, and just like I would sit around, you know, chit chatting with the boys at at the end of a, at the end of a mission, you know, a lot of times the, the interpreters would be there right with us to chit chatting with them. And, you know, you get to know these guys, right? you know, and you, you really, I really enjoyed that part of contracting that I didn't get to experience as much in the military is the fact that I feel like as a contractor on certain contracts where we had uh, less of a leash holding us down, I was able to really uh, experience more of the Afghan culture and get to know some of the individuals a little bit better. Right. And that is Uh, a great perk of the job. Yeah, absolutely. It was was a great perk. You know, Uh, did I did I trust them? you know that's a different story uh but did i enjoy my time with them yes i did right yeah you know trust Uh, is a slippery slippery slope when you get over there it it is it is uh i mean you you kind of have to um but those that's you know we could go into hours long stories about all that but anyway um so okay so so you were working on that contract um and uh so i let's unpause that Go ahead and proceed. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's enough on the low profile uh, security that I was doing. So then uh, I got a call. So I was – I don't remember if I was home on vacation or if that static gig had ended. I don't recall. Either way, I know I was home, and I get a call from the owner, the gentleman that you know, and mm-hmm. he wanted me to come to Bagram to work a project. And that's where you and I met, I believe, right? Okay. Yep. 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 We may have met in passing in Kabul, actually. I think we did, but you know, we we were living out in town in that little tiny. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. So we may have met in passing there, but I think we didn't really get to know each other until uh, Bagram. That's that is correct. When you showed up, and I tell you what, um, it was a real dookie show. These guys were trembling and quaking because. one of the guys that was on contract with another company who was at that time our client, our direct client there, mm-hmm. uh, the guy, one of those guys, he was a real rabble rousing troublemaker and he mm-hmm. had everybody all freaked out when you showed up. And I'm like, <laughs> if you guys are that scared, you should be. Because <laughs> 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 anyway, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Interesting dynamic. I, you know, I, 
before uh, the podcast started, right before I had even talked to you earlier today, I was just kind of reminiscing on things and thinking about things that I might want to talk about, you know, and uh, not to bring up any names, but do you remember the gentleman on that contract with us that used to booby trap all the entrances and exits to the. Yes, yes that's that's the guy I was talking <laughs> okay, about. OK, all right. I wasn't sure if it was the same guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's one of it's one of those characters, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> trap everything. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so like i said we, i mean it, it it wasn't a bad contract the client was a good client yep. uh it was it, it but it harkens to what you're talking about the guys on the team sometimes they just get through the cracks mm-hmm. and, and they're there but um yeah like i said when you arrived for me it was a breath of fresh air it's like oh wow all right <laughs> yeah i mean listen that was a good contract like our, our living quarters were good i mean we all had our own our own hooch we all had our own showers and bathrooms and everything there was no shared you know i mean right I was, I, we had vehicles that we could drive around base yep no we, we, we were yeah oh yeah it was it was well equipped it was um i've had a couple of contracts that were almost as good mm-hmm. in terms of housing but those yeah i i was delightfully surprised that and uh the access to some of the other stuff that the client allowed us to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I do remember about that contract is there was an awful lot of IDF. And for those that don't know, IDF is indirect fire, right? Yes. So we, we had an awful lot of IDF during that contract for some reason. Is And it wasn't just because it was the so-called fighting season. I think it was just the, the tempo at the time. Um, you know, they were, they were dropping them in on us. Right. Yeah. No, there, there was, um, uh... And I think you told an indirect fire. So, you know, it was everything from, uh, well, they were launching uh, rockets um, yeah. and uh, the mortars. Uh, yeah. And there were some uh, some some uh, low-level indirect uh, small arms fire going on, too. Periodic. Yes. So, yep. yeah, yeah. Bagram, Bagram is one, I think, of three major air bases that are still out there. And, uh, yeah, there was, it was basically surrounded by a village, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, or the, several the village villages. basically touched the, touched the walls of the, of the, of the base. I mean, it was that close, you know, you could, you could throw a stone and hit somebody's house. Right. And when you get outside, uh, you go, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway. So, uh, uh, yeah, that contract when you came, so when you showed up, uh, but you were sent there as I recollect, uh, with a specific mission when you arrived, is that correct? Um, I don't fully recall. I was trying to think about that today. I was like, I, I don't, I don't quite remember the reasoning behind it. If you do, please remind me. It's just well, some of these contracts really mesh together. You know, I mean, I've well, yeah. been on a lot after writing down my timeline over here. Well, <laughs> as, yeah, as I recollect, um, because they offered me, um, in a bid to keep me coming back, uh, to do what I likened to what they had originally wanted you to do out there, which was to go around the country visit their various locations uh, yes. yep. and and report back to them so that they could get an on the ground um, assessment of what's really going on when they hear stuff yes yes so that's absolutely right you, you sparked my memory so that also makes me think about who was in charge of that project when i got there the uh-huh bigger gentleman <laughs> yeah. we had three or four of those guys before they finally figured it out <laughs> oh my goodness, that guy was he was special forces everything in the book, I think. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so or so he said. Right. Um, no, uh, 
I remember yes. when I first met him, but anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, actually, I remember you telling me that story about when you had first met him. Right. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, so the, what the problem was, the company was having some issues with some of their um, some of their account managers or, or some of their site security managers. And there were some complaints from some of the clients. And, you know, I, I had built a pretty good relationship with the owner of the company. He seemed to trust me. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, he, he did want me to kind of just see what was going on on some of these contracts uh, and, and let him know. You know, I mean, that's his livelihood. You know, right. I mean, it's I, I, I it's not like I was snitching on people, but I was trying to help this guy with his with his with his uh, contracts. I mean, he, he was definitely running into issues. And when you when your client starts complaining about who you have down there representing you, that's that's an issue. It is. Know? Oh, yeah. No. And, and trust me, I, I never had an issue with any of that because I was trying to tell these guys all along, guys, this is contracting now. For those of you who haven't done it, this is the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know. that's that's something that some people have a hard time separating when they come out of the military is that this is not the military. It's it's contracting. You're dealing right. with like-minded individuals who, for the most part, have all spent time in the military and some uh, time in law enforcement. But you know, it's it's definitely a, a different animal, and you have to know how to handle yourself when you're well, around that different animal. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's why I never had an issue with you coming out there or any company that does that because it's like, guys, if you mind your P's and Q's, dot your I's and cross your T's and do what you're supposed to do, you don't got to worry about this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, so, I'm with you there, Scott. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's, uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, you, you know, nobody likes a snitch or a rat, but it, it's but that's but what you're talking about is, is a little different. And it's some guys liken it to I think we used to call it the DMCA. Um, and I forget what that acronym was, but it was, you know, the Defense Department had a, a, a con, some sort of con. I forget exactly, but it was a contract inspector. He would go out right. there and inspect. It. So, oh, yeah. So anyway, so you're on that contract now, and uh, yeah, so I'm on that contract. We're on it together, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed our times together, man. I know uh, we we spent a lot of times at night outside the hooch talking about family and talking about military and futures, mm-hmm. and you know we I, I really cherish some of those conversations that we had out there. And I think at one point in time I was going through a challenging time, and you you definitely uh, were a breath of fresh air for me, uh, helping me work through some stuff while I was out there because that's you know that's what it's about too. You know, it's about the guys you're with and and the, the brotherhood and, and the family of it. And, you know, I remember that and I appreciate hearing it. <clears throat> but, yeah. But yeah, I remember the, the, the difficulties you were going through. And, yeah. and you're right. When you're out there, man, you, that's the last thing you need uh, getting in your head is all those right. outside things. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're on that contract. And then I don't remember if you were still there or not. Do you remember that that our our contract ended? And then the client hired us on directly? Yes. Um, you were still there for that. Okay. Well, um, no, I actually departed. Okay. Uh, and part of it was because of the the uh, the uh, circus that these guys were still running. But the client was, cl- <laughs> but the client had clued into it. And, yeah. and I took a lot of grief and heat from these guys because, like, dude, I'm not saying or doing anything. You guys are bringing it upon yourself. But, yeah. Uh, so I went home for a time, and then they invited me back on another project. Mm. It, it was a, so technically it was a different, con- but it was on the same compound. Right. And then from there I went to the one uh, outside Kabul that I think you turned me on to that you had done. 
Yeah, the the small one with the uh, it was a, like a <clears throat> small Spec Ops type camp out yep. there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a good spot too, man. Man, I, I, loved I enjoyed it. my workout there. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so so on that project when when that when that uh, when it changed there at Bogram when they when the client hired you guys directly, um, I had taken my leave of absence for a time. Okay, and and that's when all this was happening. I think that's right around when the company sold uh, the majority of the ownership to the U.S. Hmm. Okay. And it was no longer under British control, right? So the the gentleman that you and I know as the owner of that company at the time uh, sold his ownership, and then he started a second company. Oh, right, right. That's right. right. So once the uh, once that finished for me, once you know I got hired on by the client, I stayed at the project for I don't know maybe another month or so, and then the original owner of that company contacted me and said, you know. Obviously, you know, I, I sold the company. I started a different company. I have a brand new PSD mission in Kabul. I'm wondering, and he wanted me to come on as one of the team leaders. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I finished out my time on, on the contract I was on. Uh, we knew we were getting hired on by the client there for only a short period of time. So it actually worked out perfect for me. Mm. And uh, I went to uh, to Kabul and, and was a PSD team leader for a period of time for the, for the new company. And that was great. Uh, it was all British guys. I was the only American. Hmm. And uh, I think there was a South African gentleman on there as well. And uh, small team. You know, there was 12 of us, and that was it. And, hmm. uh, you know, we lived on a very tiny compound in Kabul and, you know, completely off grid and off the base. That was interesting. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that, has, that had its share of issues there. But uh, that's know, when it's kind of surreal, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you know, when you wake up and you walk out your hooch to go to the chow hall, or I say chow hall, but the the building that we ate in, and uh, you know, you look around and you see your Afghan neighbors, you know, hanging their laundry out to dry. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, this is uh, this is interesting. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, I mean, but, that I mean, you know, it's real, but that's when you go, wow, it's real. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that definitely brings you and your, uh, your team closer together. That's for sure. Living like right. that. Right. Um, so I did that for a period of time and then, uh, the owner contacted me again and said, Hey, listen, I have a, uh, a gig down in Helmand province and we are advisors at the, uh, Afghan, um, uh, the APPF, the Afghan Public Protection Force, basically like boot camp. Hmm. So whenever I, whenever I talk about this with like family, there, you know, I try to explain to them, you know, the differences between A and A and A and P and APPF, and they're like so many acronyms. They're like, how do you <laughs> how do you tell the difference? I'm like, acronyms are a way of life uh, <laughs> for us. Uh, but I tried to explain them. They're like, well, you know, why do they have an APPF when they already have a A you know a A and P? I said, well, you know, the the APPF. I explain it like this. It's basically – it seemed like they just gave us farmers with pitchforks, and we had to turn them into a lower level of a police officer because right. um, you know, the majority of gentlemen that they were sending our way – and I say our way, but a lot of this was put on by the, the A&P and ANA, uh, but we were there as advisors for tactics and whatnot, and uh, you know, it, was, it was guys that 
I mean, some guys I I felt were too old to be joining, but I guess when you're fighting to protect your company or your country, there is no age limit, right? I mean, right. You do what you have to do on your on your homeland, but um, you know, some of these guys are probably in their 60s, and we're putting them through the ringer, and I I've kind of felt bad, but yeah. at the same time, you know, we have to try to get them to a certain level, right? Uh, to where they can start taking over some of the the security force. Uh, type work from the police so that the police can do policing, you know? Right. And, so uh, so how, how, how did they respond to to you and the guys that were doing, I mean, did they welcome you? Were they a little so, standoffish? So I had, I actually had, I had a great time there. Uh, I got along with all of them. Uh, there was a couple that would give you that look and you think to yourself, I don't believe you're here for the right reasons. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know the look I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, that's that just comes with the job. Right. Right. But so I was working again. I was one of the only Americans on the contract uh, as the advisor. The majority of them were, were British. And the the British gentlemen that I were working with, they were all perfectly clean shaven. They all had like bicked bald heads. They were all as you know mm. as white as white as white as you can get and no no facial hair, right? So mm. these poor guys out in the sun, they would crisp up, you know. Oh, um, but me, being the, the country guy that I am, as soon as I got out of the military, I was like, it's time to grow a beard. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as a contractor, it's like, well, you got to have your your uh, dander boots and your, your your cargo pants, your collared shirt, and your beard, right? I mean, you know, that's in your Oakleys. It's kind of like it's kind of like an issue, right? I'm going to be a contractor. Here's your issued beard. Yeah, um, it, that's de rigueur, or right. if I'm saying it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I was on a contract that was neither DOD or DOS. Uh, at the time. So there was no regulation on how long my beard could be. So mm. it, it grew. And <laughs> when I would stand there as an advisor and I would have my boss next to me who was perfectly clean shaven and I had this glorious contractor beard going, uh, <laughs> the, the leadership of the APPF and the A, uh, I'm sorry, A&P as well, they would talk directly to me instead of my boss um and we both and that, know why right and that was actually the first time i had ever experienced that i had heard guys talk about it and uh, you know you you read about it in the the coin training and all these other things that you go through before you deploy and you know but i had never actually experienced it because i never had a beard in the military right so um you know, it was it was an interesting experience. I had a lot of fun there, though. I got to shoot a lot of guns because I was I was one of the firearms instructors. So, uh, you know, I had my fun with all the all the half broken AKs that they were using and the <laughs> PKMs and everything else. So uh, that it was a fun contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it was uh, those things. Uh, I never did exactly what you're talking about. But when I took over, when you invited me to uh, replace you cause you were doing something else. Um, at that place, uh, I had a, had my share of that sort of stuff. Um, and it was an interesting thing, but you know, there was an important one where you mentioned that beard and it's been talked about before, um, because that part of the world, and it's not the only part of the world, but it, it, it's huge in that region guys with beards, especially the older guys with a little gray, little silver, little white. I mean, they, they, Red. well, yeah, I mean, they, they respect that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody who's ever, you know, pulled pulled security at a Shura, you know, where all the elders are coming together and, and to, to have a meeting, uh, everyone in there has a 
big glorious beard. Right. And, uh, they're they're the oldest gentlemen in town, and they make all the calls. They're the shot callers. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, the village elders, the yep. same thing. Yep. You know, the leaders of the tribes, whatever. I mean, they all have these big long beards. Yep. Um, some of them are kind of. I mean, you know, I'm not. It, it, it strikes you as funny at first because like, what the heck? Some of them paint them different colors. Yeah, so they, they put <laughs> that I had. This, so when I was working this APPF contract, that's the first time I experienced that, too. Like, so I, I always saw the the Afghan gentleman right around town when I was on missions with with like reddish beards. But I had no idea what it was. And when I was on this contract, um, there was actually a couple APPF that spoke fairly good English, and I was chatting with one of them one day, and he had red in his beard, and I asked him, I said, what is that? You know, why is your beard red and your hair is midnight black? Like, I, I just, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, so I assumed it wasn't natural. And uh, it was actually henna, you know, like henna like you do on your hand. Uh, huh. You see it like weddings and stuff. It's like a dye. Um, and he pulled out this little satchel of like henna powder. And he said he takes it and he mixes it with water. And he makes a paste and then he massages it into his beard. He tried to get me to do it, but I respectfully uh-huh. declined. <laughs> That's funny because they tried to get me to do the same thing. <laughs> and, and in a roundabout way, they got back at me because when I went to the barber one day, they, you know, I said, I just want you to clean it up. That's all I want. <laughs> Right. He he did the typical thing where they thin it out and from the from behind, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, that's not what I want. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, it was. So you uh, so that was the contract uh, that you were. So you were an advisor, instructor slash trainer for the yep. APPF. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. And that and, and go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to ask. So, um, when you did that, that was in Kabul. That was in Helmand. Helmand. Okay. This was different okay. than so the the place that I referred you to that we we were just recently talking about. That was somewhere in between. I'm looking at my timeline here because I was only there for a short period of time. So I believe that that was somewhere in between me going to Helmand and me leaving Kabul as PSD. Okay. Um, Because they they lost one of their site security managers. They asked me to go up there to fill in. So I went up there to fill in. And I think that's around about when I was talking to you about it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So so I'm there and you moved on to Helmand. And uh, so you did that for how long? I was there for 14 months. Wow. Yeah, 14 months. And then uh, so the the base that we were on in Helmand uh, at one point in time was used basically as a cool off lot for the trucks that were going into a larger base. So, you know, like a cool off lot is you have a convoy of trucks delivering stuff to a U.S. base. Uh, in order to make sure that there's no bombs attached to these vehicles that are timed to go off a specific location time, they put them in a cool off lot. So if it's going to blow up, it blows mm. up all the other trucks and it doesn't blow up the base. Right. Uh, so at one point in time, the compound that we were doing this training on was was built by Americans and, and British forces, actually. And it was a cool off lot. Mm. So the. The land somehow still belonged to the military, but we were using it, but we weren't under a DOD contract. I don't know. It was kind of a gray area, I guess. Um, so eventually that that uh, area was reclaimed by the military, so we had to leave. So we, we ended our contract there as advisors, and the uh, A&P and A&A and the 
senior advisors from the APPF took over the training. Hmm. So my company that I was working for ended up leaving leaving the contract. Okay. So, and uh, and from there, um, you went where or did what? Uh, from there, uh, well, actually, I'm just tell you a quick story about yeah. my my last two days on that contract, right? So sure. There was there was no U.S. forces on that on that base except for us contractors, right? Oh, wow. And um, at one point in time, I don't know if you remember. The original company that that gentleman started had visa issues. I, I do remember. Okay. <laughs> they had so, a lot of issues, actually. Right. <laughs> so some of those issues carried over to this other company because it was the same owner, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I came back from leave to this base, right? I was on 30 Days R&R. I come back, and um, maybe the next day, which is two or three days before we closed down and, and cleaned up shop there – the there's basically a knock at our front gate right and we hear we hear the appf officer uh on the radio like screaming his brains out we're like what is going on so we all hop in the trucks we fly down to the front gate with our interpreter we get there and we look through the little hatch and we see like four or five uh afghan national army and a couple a and p afghan national police vehicle gun like gun trucks and they don't look happy. Mm. And we're like, oh, my God, what is going on? Um, so we send our interpreter out there all by himself. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> and he, he talks to them. And he comes back. He's like, there's there's two uh, British workers in here whose visas have expired, and they're here to take them away. We're like, oh, boy, this wow. is going to get interesting. Right. Uh, so, but they, and I, so at the time, I was the only person on shift who had a, uh, a good visa. The two guys that, that had expired visas were on my shift. Mm. So they're like, they want to talk to you, one of you guys. I'm like, well, I guess it's going to be me since I'm the only legal one. Uh, <laughs> so I, I walked out there with the interpreter, man. And I tell you, there, you know, there's times when, you know, you get a little nervous when you're over there, right? Things happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get scared, right? Well, this is one of those times when I was actually, I was scared, man. Because I was the only, sure. I was the only person out there, and all I had was uh, one tower over watching me, and and one of the other contractors peeping through a site at me while mm. I'm out there, and and uh, you know, they they, they could have had their way with me and taken me away if they wanted to, but they could have gone south and ugly quick. Right. Luckily, uh, it worked out well, and I got them to leave, and then two days later, we all packed up shop and left anyway, so <laughs> uh, it worked out for the best. <laughs> how, um, how, how long no i seem to recall you tell me that but in the first time i remember you tell me it, it, it lasted a while though you were up there for a time weren't you yeah it was like 35 40 minutes man they they just were yelling at me and screaming at me and pointing and you know uh i showed them my passport and they saw my visa and they were they were okay with me but they were like we need those guys we're going to come in and get them I'm like you that's not a good idea uh <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you should do that um, so luckily wow. there was no, there was no force required. I was able to, uh, to talk them out of it. The interpreter was a huge help. He uh, helped calm things down and, and, uh, we, we moved on. That's that, yeah. that, was, that was my interesting, interesting times over there for sure. I, I really thought I was ended up in an Afghan jail there for a minute, even though I was legal, but right. w- what am I going to do? Right. When there's right. six trucks out there and 40 guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know? can be, you can be fully legal and, and this is something that's not often talked about except amongst ourselves. You can be fully legal, fully in the right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're in a foreign country. We're an American. We're the infidel. They don't care. Right. You're exactly right. 
Yeah. So, uh, but that's it. But again, you talked about the interpreter, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, the interpreters, uh, especially when they like you and they feel a, a mission and a duty. Um, yeah. And 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 if they like you, it's kind of like that old pass tooth thing. They, you know, they'll take care of you like family. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, okay. So you had that incident. Um, so that, and- yep. That incident came up, uh, and, and, uh, that a couple of days later, that contract ended and I was home for, I don't know, maybe two months or something like that. And I was offered another job with the same company as a site security manager. Uh, but he told me it was only going to be for like two or three months. He just needed somebody to fill in because uh, one of the other, I guess the other guy quit or had family issues or you know how it is, man. Things come mm-hmm. up. Uh, so I uh, I shot back out to Kabul uh, to a, a small base out there. Um, and I was a site security manager for a static security project. And that was only for three months. It was just a quick thing. And I was just kind of sitting around at home anyway. So figured why not? And then I was then I was kind of debating, you know, do I want to get out of the game? And I was like, well, let me just see what's out there. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I saw a job offer or a job posting for a company that I had never worked for, but I wanted to work for. And uh, it was at a static security, making less money that I had made pretty much on all my five past previous contracts. But I said, you know what? Let me give it a try. I wanted to work for this company. Let me see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got hired on uh, with this company. And I was a uh, security officer, basically, you know, standing guard, you know, just like I did in the beginning, like my first contract, you know, kind of crazy how it worked itself all the way back around. Uh, but I knew I wasn't going to stay there at that position long. Uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to work my butt off to try to, to work up the chain. Uh, long story short, six months later, I was the site security manager in charge of the whole project. Wow. Uh, um, it just, uh, stars kind of aligned it worked out well and uh you know i i I ended up in charge of the whole project and i did that for two years i was a site security manager for two years the the company changed hands uh while i was a site security manager um so Mm. you know if you think back uh oh man i guess it's six seven years now something like that there was several companies that kind of joined and created this entity oh Um, okay yeah so I was working for one of those companies, and uh, so my quickly my my tag on my my uh, my my uh, uniform changed changed names. You know, tear one right. off, slap one back on, same job, different name. Right. Uh, so I did that for two years, and uh, it was great, and it uh, was just it was time to come home. Right. So when so and what year was it then that you said okay you're you're done? What year was that? So it was 2017, probably about mm. half halfway through 2017 i think i think it was maybe it was before that wow somewhere around there 2017 wow so yeah. you, you you put a good few years under your belt <laughs> doing that yeah about, probably about seven years six seven years you know yeah um, it's it's challenging man you know i mean I, I love being around family i love being around friends um you know so you don't you don't get that as much as you do. I mean, yes, it's great when you come home, you have that solid, you know, 30 days home and it's good quality time. Right. Um, but I also miss other things like hunting and fishing and playing cornhole, drinking beer and barbecuing, <laughs> um, you know, so it was it was just time to get out of the game for me. You know, I, I had a right. great time. Uh, right. And 
you know just as well as I do, and, and from listening to your podcasts, uh, you know your previous ones, all the other guys, you know, kind of feel the same way. There's, you're always gonna have that itch, you yeah. know. There's always a part of me that's like, man, I should hop on shooter jobs and see what's out there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just no matter how good your job is back here in the states, you'll never have the same excitement that you have when you're over there. Right. Well, and and, and, and the camaraderie. The camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the company I work for now is great. I work with some fantastic people and we have a great working relationship, but it's just very different than waking up at three in the morning with your rack mate and having to run to a bunker because there's a 107 rocket getting shot at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. And granted, after a time, you don't even get out of your bunk anymore. You just <laughs> wait, wait till it's done and go back to bed. Yep. I, I, I think we all become very blase at some point right. about yeah. the whole thing. You know, yeah. It's like, whatever. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy how numb you can get to that stuff. Right. You know? And when I tell people about it who have never experienced it, they're like, are you serious? They're like, well, wh what did you do? I'm like, I just rolled over and covered my ears because the C-RAM was going off and that thing is loud. Right. <laughs> you know? um, and well, and I guess I could explain C-RAM. Well, I don't know if it's called. There's so many names for that thing. There's the Phalanx, the C-Wiz. I think now it's called the LPWS, which stands for, I believe, Land Phalanx Weapon System. Right. So – but go ahead and tell uh, people what it is. I mean, just language so, terms. Yeah, just real quick. It's it's a big gun. <laughs> it's yeah. meant for it's meant for base defense. I believe it shoots 20 millimeter rounds and anywhere from like three to 4,500 ish uh, rounds per minute. So right. like 500 rounds per minute of 20 millimeter, uh, which it it'll shoot down rockets. It'll shoot down mortars. Uh, it looks really cool when it goes off at night because it's all yep. trace rounds and it just looks like a laser beam. Right. Uh, but when it's, when the, when the, uh, when the C-RAM pit is near your, your hooch where you sleep, I tell you, it gives you a rude <laughs> <Yeah>. awakening. <laughs> it is. That's, that's one of those, I'm going to wake up and change my shorts before right. I go back to bed. Yeah. Well, especially the first time you experience it after a time, it's not so bad, but <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I remember the first time it's like, Whoa, what the, Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. what that is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. So, uh, so, so you, so like a lot of us, you, you do kind of miss it. Um, Absolutely. but I'll always miss it. Yeah, but you're not. Even though you think about it, you 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 do you seriously consider going back over, or is it just kind of wistful? No, I mean, do I can? I like my life right now, man. I'm I'm happy where I'm at. Um, I'm with a beautiful woman, and uh, we have a great life together. And uh, you know, uh, unless for some reason I lost my current job and I couldn't find another, and her and I decided together that it was the right decision for me to go back, then I would go. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, it's very different from my past. In the past, regardless of who I was with, if I found a job I wanted, I was taking it and I was going right. uh, because that's just the way I was. And, uh, you know, I was young and in my mind it was, hey, you know what you got yourself into. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is what I do um, going back. Uh, but now it's very different. So now, right. it's, now, now it's a team, you know, so. Right. So you so so you mentioned. Yeah. And I know that job you have here. You've told me about it. And it's and it does sound like a great job. It, it keeps you busy, too, doesn't it? It does. It does. It keeps me it keeps me very busy. Um, there, it's always changing, and uh, you know, like it, the, the company I work for is a great company. Uh, they they take care of their employees, and uh, 
my my team that I work with is is very good. We work really well together. So yeah, you've had nothing but good stuff to say about him. Do you want to tell everybody who you work for yeah. or what you're doing? Go ahead. So I uh, I'm I'm one of uh, the security managers for uh, Terminal Four at JFK Airport in New York, and uh, the company I work for is actually a management company. So we manage the entire terminal. And we have a very small team of, of safety and security personnel that manage all of the security and safety contracts that are within our terminal. Mm. Um, so we could have upwards of, uh, you know, 12,000 employees just in my terminal. That's not all the other terminals at JFK. That's just one. Wow. Um, so it's a, a very busy, very active terminal. And, uh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, keeps me busy. You know, the, the <laughs> toughest part about this job is the commute because I don't like the city personally. Mm-hmm. I like to maybe visit the city. However, I, I refuse to live in the city. So I live in the country about 87 miles away. So I drive 87 miles each way to and from work every day. Wow. But <laughs> that's a, a, that's a, a commute. It's a commute, but it's a trade-off, Scott. You know, I right. love the country. Right. I, can, I can walk outside at night and there are no street lights. It's just all stars. Wow. And, you know, I can shoot my bow here in the backyard getting ready for deer season and <laughs> nobody says anything. So <laughs> <laughs> that is I'm so glad you, you, that you found you found something here in the States that works for you. Yeah. And, and I and I'm sure Thank the company you. is really happy to have you there as well. Um, so they haven't fired me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how long have you been working that job? I think I just hit two years or three years, two years. I think I just hit two years. OK. Yeah. Two years. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, by the time you get to three years, you're pretty much stuck there unless you decide you want to go. I mean, I mean no, no you know, company's I mean, going to keep I'm, you around that long if they don't like you. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, whenever I get to three years in the company, I, I hope that there's some room for advancement. You know, um, right. three to four years is usually when I'm like, OK, if I feel like I'm going to be stuck in the same position for the next five years, then then that's what sparks me to start looking elsewhere, which I would hate to do because it really is a great company. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're not feeling fulfilled and you want to keep moving up a ladder, you have to make those choices. So. Right. Now you did you did uh, schooling as in I think you did uh, what distance learning or whatever they called it I remember you doing that uh, when we were on contract together. Yeah, so I uh, ended up getting my uh, my first degree in uh, Homeland Security. I got that from American Military University uh, while I was overseas. I got that the whole time I was contracting. So uh, uh, yes, yeah, that's what you were doing, right? The GI Bill paid for it all 100%, and plus gave me some extra money in the, in my bank account. So thank you, military. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. Uncle Sam is one guy I know calls him Uncle Sugar, but, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. yeah. <laughs> OK, um, so so what so what's your life like now? Um, I mean, com- comparatively, can, you know, uh, sum up uh, where you're at now and what are your plans for the future? Well, I mean, you know, we just spoke about my job, which I which I love. I think it's going great. Uh, I, I, I love where I'm currently living. I'm living around where all my family is. And, you know, I, I was gone in the military and contracting from 2001 to 2017. So I didn't get to spend that much time with my family. I, I missed birthdays. I missed holidays. I missed people passing away that were very close to me. You know, so uh, one of the big things for me after contracting was I, I want to live you know, closer to my family and spend more time with everybody. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just a stone throws away from uh, my family, my my sisters and brother-in-laws and nieces and nephews and aunts, uncles, cousins. So mm. 
I'm happy with that. Uh, looking into the future, um, we just had this conversation the other night. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I love my job, but there's times when I'm like, man, I, I feel like I, I could be doing more. But I, I think that's kind of like the military contractor in me. Like you don't mm. – I don't know if I'll ever ever feel as fulfilled with a job as I do when I'm overseas. And I, I kind of get that itch like I, I need something more. Right. But when I slow down, take a step back, and I'm like, all right, Mark, take a breath before you start looking for jobs. Right. And and I think to myself, you know, I have it pretty pretty damn good. You know, my job is good. The people I work with are good. I'm with a beautiful woman. My family's close. I have my dogs and my chickens and my cat named Recon. And, uh, you know, life is good. So where do I want to go from here? The one, the, the main thing that we think about is that we want to get more land. Huh. We want more land. Uh, okay. We don't have enough property. So, you know, what we think about we think about moving to Maine eventually. Um, huh. We think about moving up to Maine and buying a big chunk of property up there and and uh you know live living the real country country life up there <laughs> uh kind of like a retirement huh yeah or semi, but, but, semi. But earlier than retirement we're thinking right. probably within the next five to ten years we wow. want to buy a big chunk of property up there so oh that's nice you know and, and that's great because you know you what you touched on uh you know because in the military and then again as private security contractors we really do sacrifice so much and we don't really talk a lot about it we don't whine about it but we miss out on an awful lot of stuff and we come home and once we get through that adjustment phase, it's like, wow, life, life is good, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't whine and cry about this and that. We just, it's like, we're happy to be home and to, to hear somebody like you, that's found a good home in terms of job and everything's going well. I mean, because of all the things you've done to sacrifice for the country, uh, doing the King's bidding, so to speak. I mean, that, that's wonderful to hear. So, you know, oh, thanks. Yeah. And my hat's off to you for everything you've done. Um, and I, I, I wish more people understood the, uh, the, you know, what we go through and the sacrifices we make um, on behalf of our country. I mean, yeah, we're, we're yeah. private security, but we're still doing it for the king's bidding. We're doing what our country is asking us to do, um, regardless of the reasons. Yeah. Different uniform, same job. I mean, right. you know, same mission. Right. Uh, same guys, you know, we're, we're, yep. we're the same people we were when we, uh, we're wearing a military uniform. We're just wearing a different one now. Yep. Uh, yeah. you know, so, so is, is there a, is there, um, as, as we, as we're approaching here, wrap up for this episode, is there a takeaway one or two things that you would like to impart with the people that are listening that you'd like them to consider or think about or. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to talk to the to the guys that are getting out of the military, uh, whether they did four years or 20 years. And uh, if you're not sure what you want to do, if you ha- if you're concerned about making a living, uh, uh, contracting is a very, I feel, a very good transition point because uh, you're you're not tied to any contract, right? So if you're getting out of the military, and you're like, man, I don't have a job. What am I going to do? I wasn't smart with my money when I was in the military, like most people, <laughs> and uh, I have nothing to live off of. What am I going to do? So you take a contract and figure it out. Take a contract, get out there, make some money, meet some guys, make some contacts, see if contracting is something you like. If it's not, guess what? You quit, you go home. Uh, you're, you're never tied to it like in the military right you sign a military contract you're like man 
I think I'll go home now. That doesn't work that way. Uh, <laughs> when you're on a contract, if you don't want to be there, you can pretty much just tell them, I want to go home. I'm done. And they'll right. send you. You may have to pay for your ticket, unfortunately. However, uh, you can quit. So if it's something that you want to try, try it. You know, get out there, give it a try. You don't have to have some high-speed MOS in the military to get out there and do contracting. You can do it whether you were infantry, whether you were a cook, a mechanic. It doesn't matter what your MOS was. Just get out there and, and try it. You, you can find a job contracting no matter what the job is because every job you do in the States, you can do overseas as a contractor. Right. Um, and don't, don't be afraid to try something new. Right. Yeah. No, that's 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 very true. Um, we we uh, we we talk about that, that there's a lot of contracts out there. It's a very small percentage, uh, comparatively speaking, that's private security. But um, but you're right. Yeah. No. And that's great advice. Uh, thank you, Mark. Um, yeah. So uh, with that said, uh, I want to thank you again very much for taking time out of what I know is a, your busy day to spend time talking with me and the guests that are listening um, about your time and your experiences. Can't thank you enough. Thank you. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough, man. I mean, this, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and I can't wait to hear it all back. I want to see how, <laughs> see how it sounds from the other end, but I'm not the one doing all the blabbing. <laughs> but thanks again for having me, Scott. You're welcome. Uh, and, and hang on for just a moment. Uh, so folks, thank you for listening to another episode of Oconus, the contractor's life. Again, my guest uh, for this episode was uh, Mark Fortin. And uh, remember to be careful what you wish for out there, folks. And until next time, keep it real. <laughs>